turned around there and almost almost got motion sick trying <laughs> trying to watch that. It's not good when for you preach, but uh, thank you guys for all who put in the effort Friday night and uh, and those who came. And I hope you're here. Uh, that maybe this is your first time in service with us and you came Friday night. But we're, we're just so thankful that you're here and, uh, and we're thankful that y'all prayed for the printers and it did work. So I do have notes now, which is, yeah, which is, which is for your benefit, I'm sure, because I can talk a long time if I don't have something keeping me posted here where I need to stay. But you know, there was a, a day 21 years ago, liberals, conservatives, Libertarians, independents, progressives, whatever you want to call it, socioeconomic. There was this unnatural connection and moment where all the barriers dropped and we all became one. And one of the things I think was so critical about that time was we realized we were pretty fragile. That the most important things in life were not some of the things we had made the most important. It was connection. It was someone to cry with. Someone to be angry with. And just for whatever reason, and we really know what it is, but whatever reason, those things dropped in that moment. We were built for community. We were not built for division. We were designed a people of community. In the garden, when there was one, Yeah, it wasn't good, was it? Until there was two. And you start there in community. Guess what? You read Revelation. If you haven't done that lately, guess what? We end in community. (laughs) It's all about this. This book really is about community. It's about the divine drama that's been going on since the beginning of time. You know, the shocker for me when I came to know the Lord at 26 years old, you know, the big shocker to me was I had been a part of a divine drama, and now I was just being introduced to it, awakened to it, and all of a sudden I'm going, yeah, I have a part here. I have a part to play. Some of you, that's happening to you right now. It's just happened to you. It's starting to stir in you. That's that grace that's beginning to awaken you, that there's more going on than just my little world where I'm focused on me all the time. Something else bigger is going on that I'm supposed to be involved in. I'm supposed to be a part of. It's a lot at stake when we talk about community. John 17, Jesus is praying for you. I don't see your name here. I don't see my name, but I guarantee you we could just as easily go around this room today and put each one of our names inside of this passage of Scripture because that's literally what Jesus is doing here. It goes a little bit like this. It actually goes a whole lot like this, okay? I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I see Kurt Gentry right there. 
I'm praying for Kurt Gentry right now. That's me, just so, if it's your first time here, that's me, son. I'm throwing that around, just so you know. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory Literally what the word glory there means is inherent worth. I have given them the inherent worth you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them. Get this, somebody needs to hear this today. You love them as much as you love me. Now you think about it, when's the last time you thought that you were loved as much as God the, God the Father loved Jesus? Wow. When's the last time you had that cross your mind? That's truth. Wow. So much we could unpack there, but I want to use stop on this today so the world may believe that you have sent me Jesus is saying that the credibility of his life and his message in the eyes of unbelievers is dependent on the way we as his followers love one another it's not how fast I can talk it's not what cool Lights we can do or better technology is not any of that. Even though those are enhancers, that's not it. It's how you guys will love one another. The credibility of the gospel is at stake. S. Francis Schaeffer says a relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. A place for transformative, authentic community where there's oneness with God and oneness with each other. So unique. And so compelling, so peculiar, and I'm not talking about the way we dress or even the songs, but it's so unusual that a watching world says, I want what you've got. I mean, Jesus said, the scripture says to us, streams of living water should flow from within us to a thirsty world. But one of the ways and one of the primary ways that happens is how we treat each other. Not even just how we treat them, which obviously is an outflow. But how we get along. Because we've talked about this before. There has never been an organization in the world who's brought together this kind of mixed up, messed up people. Usually there's exclusive of this or exclusive of that or exclusive of that, exclusive of that. No, the church, on the day of Pentecost, brought everybody in one footing. No caste system here. 
So, if community is that important, surely it's easy. Anything great in life, that's good in life, worth having in life, has a hard part, right? And one of the problems with that hard part is we live in a world who's trying to tear that apart. The, the main objective, it seems in our culture today, is not unity, it's division. And unfortunately, that even carries over into the church. Henry Nowen says, anyone can form a club, but it takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to form a community. We are more than a social club. What we do on Wednesday nights with our students, moving to Sunday, what we do with their children over there, what we do here... You can get a lot of, you could get, if you just want to join a club, join a sports club, join a boys and girls club. There's a lot of places you can join, but we have a specific purpose. It's to bring the kingdom over and over and over and have a place where transformative community can happen. It's not just to gather. It's not just to have good networking because it's good business. Ten years ago, when we started Renovation Church, closed it down, came over. We realized what we were going to try to do wasn't going to be home for everybody. Everybody who walked through those doors, this was not going to be the place they were going to want to stay in and, and, and carry on their life. We got that. They would come, be exposed to what we were trying to do, the vision we were trying to do, those type of things. And no doubt, over this last 10 years, there have literally been hundreds walked through those doors. And they're no longer here. Now, part of that is vision. Part of that is this pastor. Part of that is... Uh, what's going on in their own lives. Part of it's the music's too loud. Josiah, thank you for that. No, but no. If you want to know what your pastor's first thought is when he walks in here on Sunday morning, is not how is the Holy Spirit moving, anything. What does the music sound like? Because I know enough. Been doing this a long time. And I hear it. And I understand it. And I get it. But we made a decision 10 years ago to come to a church that was designed for choir and orchestra and try to do what we're doing in here. <laughs> and it is a fight every week. Depends on what the weather's like. Depends on how many cell phones show up. The less come, the better communication. You don't even understand what it takes to try to get this right. You just don't. And that's okay. But we try. So there's a lot of reasons why people don't come back. And some of them are our shortcomings or whatever, but most of the time, people move out of state. People, it's not convenient enough. There's a lot of reasons why. When we came over here 10 years ago, there was only one person that I thought most likely would be here the first Sunday. I didn't know anybody else. I just assumed Jan would be. I, that's the only one, my wife, that's the only one that I assumed for sure was going to be here. Outside of that, there was nobody else. 
The people who we shut this church down for almost a year, I didn't know if any of those would come back. Josiah wasn't, he was still on staff at Crossroads. Now he decided as time went on that he left that job without a job coming over here because he believed in what we were trying to do. Allie and he worked as, as, as non-paid volunteers for a long time. I left not knowing what salary I would ever get over here or what it would be. Thankful we've all got salaries. We need giving to pick up or we may not have, but we got them right now <laughs> because we've been diligent enough to have savings and put it away. But that's what we are working off right now, just so you know. How do you create an environment when you can, we came over here that says people want to come, they want to walk through the door the first time, they want to stay because they feel like they belong? What does that look like when you don't even know yourself what it's supposed to look like? Now, most of us know we've walked into rooms. I mean, we know how people, you know, if you've got a good life coach, one of the things that good life coach is going to do is try to pump you up and tell you you belong whatever room you walk in you belong you ever heard that before you've already had had six TED talks it kind of got you up there boy you're ready to go I could walk into that room and I could have my chest pumped out I can have my head held high because I belong in here and there is something to that I mean I go play basketball I've been playing basketball the last few Fridays one of the first questions you do, and I've not played basketball a long time, but it's been a long time. It's been five years since I've played, and so I'm getting out there going, the, one of the questions I have, because it's been five years now, I'm 62 years old, and I walk out there, do I belong? Because you know there's 20-somethings and 30-somethings and 40-somethings. My body is saying we don't. My mind says we do. <laughs> and there's a problem, right? <laughs> Uh. and John Acuff if you had a chance a few weeks ago and hopefully you'll get a chance to hear it some other way if you didn't get a chance to hear it but his talk on soundtracks because one of the soundtracks that's been in my head for 30 something years in ministry is who do you think you are who do you think you are you sound like a hillbilly you don't have a college education you live 10 years so hard away from God away from you, you who you're representing now who, who who do you what do you bring to the table what 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 platform could you even stand on who do you think you are yeah put me in front of a thousand two thousand people who play basketball or baseball I'm in but to speak in front of them. And for years, I walked in to preach, besides the, between the throwing up and everything else that I would do before I would preach, the biggest one was, I was scared of you. I was scared of what you would think of me. I was scared, there was this fear. What, what, what kind of pumped up will they tell me? Will I get a good, the first sermon I ever preached, I've been a Christian eight months, first sermon I ever preached I, I, the, the, in the Baptist church, they were, I thought it was going to be like a 35-minute message of like 12. <laughs> thought I had more notes. <laughs> and now I'm just the opposite end of it. I don't, I don't, now it's just the, anyway. 
And boy, everybody was going, man, we love your preaching. We love your preaching. And I knew why. Because uh, they got home early. But there was a young man saved that, that night, a teenager. Who do you think you are? Who, who, who does Renovation Church think they are? That they could help transform a community? Who do you think you are? Look at all the other big churches around. They've got names. They've got recognition. Who do you think you are? But even belonging in that, in that kind of thought and that train of thought is different than what I'm talking about today in belonging. What I'm talking about today and what we're talking about in community is these are my people. Not just I walk into a room and I belong. I, I can hang, I can, whether I've made enough money, now I belong. Maybe I don't in other ways, but I got enough money, I belong in this room. I've got enough degrees, I belong in this room. I can jump high enough or throw hard enough, I belong in this room. That's different. Then these are my people. We're going somewhere together. They know my flaws. Sometimes they tell me. Sometimes they tell other people. (laughs) And in my leadership and what I've done over the last 30-something years, for the most part, everybody I lead is volunteer. Go try that if you haven't done it. I'm saying that cocky. Just try it. You may have led a lot of stuff. If you hadn't done it for volunteers and helped them motivate and give 10% of their money and more and all those kind of things, then you may not have led the same way that I have. Even the staff members that I have, that we have here at Renovation, could get a job anywhere else. We don't hire people who have to have a job at Renovation because they couldn't do anything else. We hire staff members, full-time staff members here who could work not only in other ministries, but could work in multiple other fields. Takes a little pressure off me. If we don't make it as a church, I know they're fine. I don't sit around and worry about me. We'll figure it out. I've been figuring it out most of my life. How to make ends meet. That may be all we do sometimes. But I'm unfortunately married to someone who is so awesome at working that out with me. Because you got to be in it together. Because one of the first things about great community, in my opinion, is you got to have common mission, common values. It's when you really know you belong. Amos 3.3. I read this in my devotional this week. I love this. I don't even know where I've got it here. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So many people get married without figuring out that one thing. We're not even talking about 10 people. Can two people walk together and they're going different directions? I think the first thing is If you're going to belong in the community, 
What do they believe? Where are they headed? And here's the danger of that. Our values here are transformation, community, and mercy. Just got off a series called Make Room for Transformation, Make Room for Change, Make Room. We believe here at Renovation, just so you know, that forgiveness is great, and we're so glad God has forgiven us and we're in. But we believe more than that, as much as that, if not more, that you more and more and more need to become what God created you for in the first place. It is transformation. And that's, what we'll, that's the reason why some, I will say this over the years, are no longer at renovation. Because we talk about it a lot. We just really do. Some people have looked at my ladder that I have used all these years, went home, destroyed theirs because they hated it so bad. (laughs) And some of you don't know what that means. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but my point is. We need to grow with capacity. God has called us. God has called us to more. When that divine drama, it unfolded, he has a great plan for you. One of the things I feel like, we talked about even giving and things of that nature over the last month or so. I believe a person, you will never have have all of a person when you don't have their finances, you don't have their gifts and graces, you don't have their time. You may have their attendance. But they're not in, they're not committed, they're not growing. Because I can tell you right now, when you grow with capacity, those things begin to just kind of, you kind of go from here to here. No, you don't go kind of, you do. It's yours. Now you can attend this way, but I will say this and hear me marriages, hear me as parents, hear me as leaders, hear me as all these things. If you stop growing, you have stunted community. Period. I I know I don't yell a lot, but if I could yell that one. If you decide you no longer want to grow in your marriage, you've stopped community. Didn't mean you got divorced. It just means you no longer have community. You no longer have knowledge and depth of insight, as Scripture says in Philippians 1.9. You no longer have that. You have an arrangement. But when you stop growing, and I hear, and I'm talking today, just hear me now, I'm talking today as your Christian faith. You may quit growing and knowing how to use fantasy football, and you've you got a bunch of buddies who are football guys. Okay, whatever, I don't care. I'm talking about serious stuff here. Do you want community? Commit yourself to grow. First off, you may need to get values that you agree on. That may be the first thing or a vision of where we're headed because how do I know? The word says where there is no vision, the people scatter. Literally what that means is where there is no vision, people get their own vision. That's what it means, literal. 
So everybody's going here, everybody's going there, everybody's going, oh, I thought we were doing this. No, we were headed here. That can happen in marriages, it can happen in companies, it can happen in families, it can happen in churches. The only way we can walk together is we agree on what direction we're going. I would say another one, and I've got to get rolling here, just real short. I think community, when you really truly have community, when you begin to really lean into that community, that you can have real conversations, admit what the reality of the world is and what truth is without being canceled. You really can talk about stuff. Be vulnerable. Man, do we need places like that today? Pockets of places where I can just go, go, I don't understand all this. I'm getting this, and I'm getting that, and I'm getting that. Can we just talk about this is kind of what I'm thinking? And I'll listen. Can we have shared vision? Can we have hard work, is now I say? Can we have grace? Oh, let's take that into a marriage. Can I question something? Can I ask a question here? Why? Why do you act that way? Why do you do that? Well, it's just the way I am. You want to slam community? Say, I don't want to grow anymore. I think I've already mentioned that, right? I don't want to grow anymore. That's just the way I am. Well, that's the problem. (laughs) But in real community, that's able to be said. You know, one of the things I don't want in life, there's one thing I don't want to be said about me, and it may be being said, and I don't know it. I say this all the time. Some of the biggest decisions about your life will be made behind closed doors, and you won't be in the room. But one of the things I don't want said, well, that's just Kurt being Kurt. He's just, he ain't ever going to change. Oh, yeah, he's crude, or yeah, he's this, or yeah, he's that, or yeah, he does this. I don't want that said about me. Please say it to me. Because most of the time that's said away from the person. But if you don't want community, then just stop growing. If you don't want community, then not be willing to talk about the hard things. Just shut it off. And just say, I don't want this. And I think everybody will kind of feel better. But don't say you want it in that. Be your position. Another thing about community is, I think if you're in great community, it's it's a phrase we use in uncommon, is we believe people can. You see people, you don't care where they've come from, you don't care what their past is, you don't care. You look at them and go, God can. Now they may not allow it, I get that. They may not. But with heartfelt confidence and conviction, you believe God can. And we can say a whole lot more about that. I won't do that right now. I think another thing is, and just as a brief one, I think people in community eat together a lot. I think it's very biblical. I look at the Jewish tradition from Jesus' time. The altar was, I mean, the table was like an altar. It was sacred. When you met with people and sat with people and you ate with people and you talked with people, it was like being with God. We need to slow down long enough 
It's the reason why we do dinner on the grounds. Just one shot. And we'll do that on the 25th, I guess it is, today, two weeks from today. Yay, there you go. We'll do IGN groups that day too. Don't miss it. If you don't know what it is, show up. Mastering the, I think Rob Bell said years ago, we need to be mastering the art of the long meal. I can tell you it's the best times of my family and my kids and, our, and us just sitting around the table. We need to figure out how to do that again. And if you're single, we need to figure out a way to get you invited into those because I'm telling you. And if you're a single parent and you're trying to make it happen, I know some of you here are giving and tithing and you've got kids and you're trying to make it happen and you're, I just want to tell you thank you for your effort. And I hope somehow, some way that we can help you. I don't know that we are, but I sure hope so. The other one is, is what we did earlier. We sing together. I do think families sing together. I think communities sing together. And you go, well, okay. And what I mean by that is, I think something happens. And I know over the last two years, it hasn't been the case for everybody to come into a room and get a handshake and hug and kneel at an altar or especially seen together in a room. It's just been difficult. I get it. And man, and I'm so thankful in the last two years from live stream to Zoom. I'm thank, so thankful. Generations before didn't have that shot. I'm so thankful we've got those things. And I'm thankful that those who are sick or disabled or homebound or whatever that is, whatever that is, or they're across the, or they're on a vacation somewhere and they can do that. I'm so thankful that that is there today and we want to try to do our best to use that without complicating, our, you know, without complicating more than it needs to be, but we can do that. But let me say this. I still think there's something happens in the room that you can't happen anywhere else other than that. Now, we don't want to make you feel bad if you can't be here. Please hear me. That's my disclaimer for today. But I do think something happens in the room. Because most of the time when you're there by yourself, you're not singing with other people. And I hate that for you. And I'm so thankful for you that you keep watching. But there is something to the rest of us who are able-bodied in that sense to be here. Something happens in here. Something happens in here. And part of that is singing. Now, can singing and music manipulate people? Sure. We, we really try. From theologically, we look at songs, does it back up Scripture? We don't just sing songs just to sing songs. We, there's actually a whole lot more goes into what we do here than you think there is. And we don't want to do anything that intentionally is a transaction where we're trying to get you to move and do this. We want everything to be relational, if you're, you know, those kind of things. We don't want just an emotional response because of what's happening in this room. But let me say this to those of you who think, well, if you have too much emotion, like I just expressed a while ago, and you weren't watching me, but I just couldn't help it. Because when that, when that mercy is rushing over you, I don't know why my arms started going, but I started thinking, I, I, I kind of do know what happens there. Put that slide up of War Memorial Stadium, or not War, but Reynolds Stadium, the Razorbacks. If you can do that and you can't do this in here, you need to stop and think about it. Now, you okay, I'm going to get everybody to stand up. We're going to call the hogs. Woo! No, he does not do that. Oh, I would. 
You know I would. And I've done it with 70,000. I've done it at 16,000 with Razorback fans. And it is unbelievable. Those who've experienced it know it. But I can do that. I can get fired up about the Cardinals today and have this emotion rise up within me. Indignant. Somehow or another, this is just... But I can be neutral at Sunday morning? Are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me? I talked to you a few weeks ago about neuroplasticity. It's out of Romans 12, 1 and 2 in some ways. That, that word is not, but... <laughs> that word is not, but, but it is... In view of God's mercies, brother, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable act of worship. No longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by what? Renewing, changing your thinking. The way you used to think can be changed. If you can worry, you can wonder. Then... You better attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What I love about that passage of Scripture, then, then is important because it's what every, everything that happened before that is what matters. Okay? Then tells you, and let me just say this, we'll be able to test, which is knowledge, and approve, which is embrace. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Okay? But what I want you to hear today because of our be long, be, the whole series is be, God is more concerned. It's going to shock some of you. God is more concerned about who you're going to be than what you're going to do. You're going to do a lot of things in life, but you should be the same person everywhere. So many of you are concerned about what you're going to do. And you should be concerned about who you're going to be. Because if you figure out who you're supposed to be in the kingdom, what you're supposed to do becomes much clearer. People right. go, right. what are you going to do with your life? I don't know, man, but I know who I'm going to be. Have you ever been a college student? College student, let me give, me, give you a heads up here. Let me give you a heads up. If you go somewhere and you go, how many ever gone to college and you're in the middle of it, I, I, like me, which didn't finish, but, but you were, ended up finishing, but somewhere in there you changed maybe your degree about three times or changed your major and you're kind of wandering around. People go, what are you going to be? Because what they mean by that is what? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do a lot of things in life. I'm going to do parenting. I'm going to do coaching of my kids' ball team. I'm going to do a lot of jobs along the way. So I don't know all that I'm going to do but I can tell you who I'm aspiring to be. And that's what I'm working on right now. By the way, if you're in college and you tell somebody else that, it'll shut them up pretty quick if you just want to shut them up. Because they have not thought about that. <laughs> but neuroplasticity, it's the brain's ability to modify, change, and adapt both structure and function throughout life And in response to experience, your mind can be transformed. Literally, the word transformed there, but renewed there means morpho, which is caterpillar to the butterfly. It's time for you to have the butterfly. It's time for you to have wings.
taking that old cocoon, an old caterpillar you've been living in, and that cocoon, and becoming the butterfly God designed you to be. And in worship, I was reading this this week, and Josiah sent it to me, I think Christianity Today. It says, how worship rewires our brains and bonds us together. I want to read this for you. David Taylor says, my main theological point here is this. Over against the idea that the spirit works in exclusivity, exclusively, excuse me, invisible and immaterial ways in the, in the singing ministry of the church, I contend that the spirit produces the one body life of the church, not despite or beyond our bodies, but rather in and through our physical selves. The spirit takes our corporate song and binds us corporally in ways that are irreducible and deeply transformative. This is why we believe in song so much. I think it's been in cultures, whether Christian or religious or not, song binds us together. You know what that woo pig suey does? It's not like everybody, oh, he's cool. That's a cool thing to do. No, it's not very cool looking. I get it. But it binds those people together. That's exactly what that does. Can you imagine if the Spirit is present? Can you imagine if you walked into a, a building where the spirit is so real and so tangible and somehow or another those people are not trying to put on the show. They're not trying to say, hey, look at me. They're just trying because they have been connecting with the spirit all week long and they're coming in here prepared and they're coming here walking into this room ready to go, if you will. And something along the line like it did for me. I don't know if I've done that. I've been 10 years. I don't know if I've ever done this before in, in service. But it's just this the mercy rushing through me. I just can't get over it. And like I told you the other day, I haven't got over what happened to me to 26, 27 years ago. Or 36 years ago, excuse me. When Christ came into my life, I never got over it. But sometimes I've reminded of it. In very demonstrative ways. And I apologize to those who felt like they needed to leave because the pastor went charismatic on us. But, but it's okay. It's okay. Or I've been loosening. I'm ready to throw something. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But where the Spirit is welcome, when I read Scripture, I think it's unmistakable, you know it, but the bigger th- thing for most of us is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom from shame, freedom from fear, freedom from slavery. I'm going to ask you a question as we close here. It's a big question for all of us because I look around, we're having more and more seats filled, but I still think these empty seats are a big deal. We'd love to have people sitting in them. I was thinking, what would cause someone, if we didn't invite them, what would cause someone just to stop into Renovation Church and come to church here? Driving by and go, oh, I'm going to go in. Some of you have done that, so there you go. But if you were not a believer, many times it's somebody who already believes in Christ. But what if you're an unbeliever and you look and you drive by that church over and over? What would cause you to go, hey, I'm going to go there? But I read this this week from Kerry Newhoff, and, and I thought it was pretty interesting. He said, He said, I think unchurched people think about walking into a church the way you might think about randomly walking into a wedding to which you weren't invited (laughs) or into a corporate retreat for a company which you don't work. It would just be weird. He goes on to say, and and he bears out 
decades of research, but also we know it's even going to be more in the future. He just says, if the people who attend your church are not inviting, they're most likely not coming. The unchurched, they're most likely not coming. That doesn't mean God can't work around that. You know that and I know that. But let me say this to you if you're going to invite someone. That's where we're leading as we close today. Where do you go to church is important if they ask you. Where do you go to church? Oh, yeah, I know where that is. What do you all do there at their church? Well, we have this program, we have that program. But that, that, tells what, that tells kind of parameters about, you know, okay, they kind of position their minds, gives them information. And information is good. But you know what will really help them? It's why you come to renovation. What and where and how and all that kind of stuff informs. Why inspires. You need to know why you attend here. I hope it's more than convenience. It's just close. That'll wear off. And for some of you, I can guarantee it's not convenient. You drive 50 minutes. <laughs> but as we close today, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come on up because they're going to play a little bit while you have a chance to do something that's going to help us. The Lord put this on my heart a few weeks ago, and it's just stuck with me. Why do you come here? Why do you attend renovation? Those who have stayed. I realize some of you, it's your first Sunday possibly, or you've only been coming the last few months, and I don't, you don't necessarily have to do this for us today. But you would help us tremendously by helping us with this survey. Get the code on the back if you would rather do it electronically. If you need one of these, if you don't have one, raise your hand because I do want you to look at it if you don't have one. Why is this important to us? Why is it important to the leadership? First, I want you, if you don't mind writing, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here just to write on that one line, first line. How would you know you now belong to a community? How would you know? You can put a few things, but especially just one. So, because part of it is we want to know what does cause that. The second one's pretty obvious. How long have you been coming here? Third, what first brought you here? And the last one, though, is if you're a regular attendant, why have you or your family stayed and chosen renovation as your church community? You can write two or three. We'd appreciate it if you did. What are those most important things that said we made a decision to throw our tent pegs down here? This would be really important to where we're headed and as we plan moving forward because we may find out the reason people are staying is not what we were trying to do. (laughs) I don't think that'll be it. And it's going to be easy to throw it away on your way out or leave it at your seat. And I get that. And you got that choice, obviously. 
But if you want to help your pastor and help the leadership of this church, it sure would be good. If you've made this your church home and you've thrown your tent pegs down, to tell us a little bit about why. Again, as we came 10 years ago, we had a great hope. We didn't have a lot of things planned in that 10 years that we could foresee. Pandemic being one of them, obviously. And we didn't know what the faces would be on September 11th, 2022. I assume Jan would be here, obviously, right? And I think she's gonna put in here, why have I stayed? My husband's the pastor. That's probably the main, her first one. I don't think so. We need your help. But we need you. If we're going to do what we believe God is stirring in us, we're going to need you to be open to transformation, maybe some change. When transformation comes, things have to alternate. You have to, you have to move things. You have to, some things get tossed off and some things are picked up. But we need your help. And we sure would appreciate it if you could do that for us today. So you can do it electronically so you have no excuse. You don't like writing. But if you do write today before you leave, I'm going to give you just a second here to assign him sing. I think we have some spots back there where you can drop them off. I'm not sure, Bailey, if we got those boxes or got something. Or you can give them to Bailey, whichever one. Bailey's helping us with this. She's doing awesome. Why don't you stand with me as we close... Uh, the time in worship today. No, why don't you stay seated? Stay seated. My bad. My bad. <laughs> that part I didn't have planned. I'm going to pray for you. Josiah and I are going to sing. I'm going to ask you to stay seated and Josiah and I'm going to have you stand. We can close in song. But just to take a moment, and I know really only one per family if you need to, but you can do whatever. It can be two per family. I don't, that's fine with me because you may have different reasons why you stayed. But if you would do that for us, I sure would. Lord, we come to you today thanking you for your church it's not Kurt and the staff's church or we need to re-examine everything it's not the board's church even though we've got that responsibility it's not the denomination's church even though we appreciate those that part of the community that we're in, in the church of the Nazarene it's your church and Lord we want to be a place when people walk through these doors or wherever we meet, whether it's in a gymnasium or someone's home or on a mission field, that it's authentic and it's transformative and that they won't be the same people because they chose to be a part of this group of people and you were in the midst of it. Lord, help us be more than a social club. Help us be a place that's a light in this community for your glory. We love you. And Lord, I pray now that our folks will help us write a few things as we go from there. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So take time to do that. Decide him, you go ahead and leave. Maybe you can